0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Hello, everyone. Pastor Rodney here with The Ville Church. Uh, This morning, I'll be bringing the Word of God to you. It's uh, around probably 1030 when this is being shown for the first time. Um, And I'm praying this morning that you'll be able to take this and that God will use it to minister to you. Um, First off, I want to tell you that I miss you guys. I can't wait to be back together and see your faces all uh, one with Jesus and watch how he ministers to you in person. Um, It's a lot different doing it this way, but this is obviously we're thankful to God for having this. Um, And so let me pray for us. Father, I pray for all of us this morning, those that are hearing for the first time and tuning in, those that are part of the Vail family. And um, Father, I pray uh, that they would see and know that you're awesome, that you're holy, that you're powerful, that you're in control, that you know all things, that you're present everywhere at once and you're involved in our lives. Um, I pray for protection on their health, I pray for protection on their finances, on their relationships, everything they're going through. Now that they're in a home and not able to go anywhere, um, I pray for provision, Father. Uh, Would you take care of, would you lead us, would you guide our church, shepherd us well, be in those moments where it's difficult, uh, which I know you're faithful to do in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Colossians chapter three, verses five through 10, and Paul starts off here saying, put to death therefore that's a real strong statement that put to death is the same thing that jesus would say hey if your right hand caused you to sin cut it off now what does he say to put to death he says put to death what is earthly in you what's earthly in us is sinful desires we were born with sinful desires ever since the fall took place that's why you never need to uh, teach a child how to uh you know, lie or be mean or be selfish. And that's why we're always teaching our children to be nice or to be respectful or to be obedient, right? So it's a simple nature that we're born with. And that strong statement of put into death means that we can't really manage it, uh, we can't pet it, we can't uh, minimize it, but we must actually go to war with it. Now, um, he goes on to say um, what that is, and specifically points out sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. So right here we see that he starts to describe impurity. Those are, uh, you know, impure, uh, not having the right motives uh, for sexuality, passions, passions that are our desires that are for what's wrong when it comes to sex, and also covetousness, meaning never ever satisfied, always having to do more or something else to try to satisfy this sinfulness. Uh, the simple uh, sexual immorality. Now, um, verse six says, on the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. So what is sexual immorality? Uh, the description of sexual immorality is actually um, anything that, any kind of type of sexual activity outside the, the the covenant of marriage of a woman and a man, anything outside of that. As a matter of fact, God's original design and plan for all humans was to come uh, their sexual experience was to come through uh, a time where you were in a relationship with someone that loved god with all their heart and that also wanted what was best for you and in this mutual relationship where you're have built up trust over a period of time and then once you said i do you would have your first Um, uh, sexual experience uh, that is a gift from God, um, these desires uh, uh, sexually and the pleasure of sex to be experienced um, for your first time in that way. So sexual morality, there's a lot of descriptions out there and I was going to give them but I think you know everybody's pretty much well-versed with it but stop in for a moment and think about that. Anything outside a marriage between a husband and a wife is sexually immoral and even inside a marriage of a husband and wife to add anything from the outside in would be also sexually immoral and Paul is saying here we must put those to death and even get says here in verse 6 and on account of these the wrath of God is coming now this is God's righteous anger because why it hurts us it hurts um our uh, whole person, you know, whenever there is sexual sin. Um, Paul says, every other sin is outside the body, but when we sin sexually, it's a sin against the body. And that word body there is talking about the whole person, our mind, affects our soul, affects our emotions. Um, it, it affects us in a very deep way. Now along those lines, usually, um, and this is something I really want to talk about for a moment here, Is that whenever um, we have experienced something sexually that was sinful, whether it's something we did on our own or someone did to us, it's usually when it starts. It's usually around our first experience, meaning that um, someone with more experience had exposed us either visually, um, verbally, or through touch, physically, in a sexual way. They exposed us. in in some way sexually. Then, uh, sometimes, and and usually most than not, is abusive. And abusive is because it comes from someone that doesn't love God, doesn't really care about our best interests, and they took pleasure in what they did, and it was uninvited. Not something that we can invite because we really didn't know what it was all about. And that affects us for the rest of our life. And since sin affects every part of our life, basically, all of us and all of our sexuality is um, damaged in one way or another. And so these desires that come up uh, through that um, fight us the rest of our life. Now, here's the thing is, is that um, most of the times we'll gravitate towards what happened to us um, and make it part of our identity, you know, Um, and the things that we've done, will make it part of our identity. And sometimes we'll even, Uh, start to repeat those things that weren't right because, again, it touches us at a soul level. It's a deep, deep uh, experience when it comes to that. And so the reason why I say that is because it can become very confusing, um, especially when it comes to sex, because uh, later on as we come to Christ, we know that we should be able to be, uh, walk away from all of that. And, and maybe uh, we think that no matter what, um, we're just gonna have all these great, beautiful, pure thoughts and never have to deal with that again. But when it comes back to us and it starts to confuse us and makes us actually start to say, hey, maybe I want to do those things, or I, I, I am those things that I did, or I am those things that were done to me. And we get lost in that and it gets confusing. So to know that, first of all, that wasn't God's plan. And that doesn't make you who you are. It doesn't make you, um, whatever it is that happened to you, whatever you've done, whatever you've practiced is not who you are. And Paul hits that head on uh, head on here uh, as we get further into the rest of the scriptures. Um, verse six, I mean, verse seven, it says, and, and in these you too once walked. Okay, so that's telling you that that was your past identity, right? And then he says, when you were living in them. In other words, you have no regard for whether you sinned or not. As a matter of fact, you may have known if you had sinned at all um, because we're blinded and we're not able to see and, and know before we come to Christ. But when we realize he is holy and we are not, that he died on the cross for us and that he shed his blood and that we can be forgiven and his spirit comes inside of us, all of a sudden there's a light bulb that goes on and realize, hey, I sinned before God at that moment that was our path that becomes our past living now but now you must put them all away so he's not saying that it never happens again um and that's not what i'm saying here and that's why he says you must put them away he's talking to believers we must put them all away anger he talks about wrath malice and slander obscene talk from your mouth all of these are a way of destruction whether it's sexual sin or whether it's from our mouth verbally, or whether it's anger that's out of control, and that's what wrath is, and that's the anger he's talking about, that's hurtful. And anger is one of the hardest emotions to ever deal with because if it's not handled right, it comes out sinfully all the time, and it's very powerful. That's why Jesus equated anger against your brothers is the same thing as murder. Um, slander, it's, it's to hurt someone's reputation obscene talk from your mouth. Again, coming out with this and saying things that you shouldn't say that are hurtful. Um, And then verse nine says, do not lie. Again, that's verbally, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. So again, he's talking about this is what has something you've done or has been done to you. And it's our old self with its practices. And verse 10 says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, if we look at it at face value or, or without really understanding what Paul is talking about, we may be hearing a false message and in no way is this what Paul is saying. A false message to the Christians that is saying, work, 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 because you're not holy. And you need to work until you get there, until you become holy, right? put on put off put away put to death that sounds like work but it's actually not at all what paul is saying see when we think that holiness and that holiness of course is is um is being set apart made right with god is something in the future in other words hey i'm gonna get there one day i'm gonna fix my life i'm gonna clean my life up i'm gonna be right with god at some point if we think it's future Something that we get later on. The problem is that the gap between our real battle every day and the future holiness is so far. If we have this mindset and this point of view, which is a false mindset and wrong, and not at all what Paul's saying, it's so far. It's like the the Grand Canyon. You know, it's impossible to get to holiness. What happens that is that if we don't believe that we have His holiness, Christ's holiness in Christ then we believe that god is disgusted with us all the time that he's not happy with us and what happens when we don't believe that god is not happy with us right if you have someone that you believe that is will never be convinced that uh you're accepted or loved that, that they that and they're disgusted with you what this brings us to is discouragement it discourages us it discourages us because you're trying over and over to to make your life right to to do things the way you think you should and but in the back of your mind you're thinking but i'm never gonna get there um it, it gives us gets to the point where it's like well i just don't care then i'm just gonna you know throw in the towel and just say i don't care it leads to an i don't care attitude um or it begins to lower god's standards by saying well you know God knows that I make mistakes. God knows I'm a sinner. You know, he, He's just gonna, you know, cover uh, cover this, and and it doesn't mean anything to Him at all. So there is a holiness that we have in Christ, though. So it leads us to that when we have that wrong view. But there is a holiness that we have in Christ. See, sin's presence remains until we are glorified. So. There's this, uh, what happened is when we were saved, in other words, when we received Christ and believed that he forgave us, in that moment we're saved. That means that we could never ever be unsaved from that moment. We're, we're gonna be in heaven, we're forgiven, nothing can ever change that. Now, there's a process be, or a time between now and that day and when we either die or God comes to bring us back, which is, and, and God calls us calls that sanctification which is him and his work in us, making us more like him. That's a continual process. So we're not fully sanctified until we're glorified. So it's a continual. Now, glorified is when we, again, go from this earth to the net, to being with God, we receive a new, holy, righteous, pure, glorified body and state, and we're going to be like Christ forever and ever. But we're not there yet. Since present remains until we're glorified. And we need to repent of our transgressions daily, 1 John 1, 18 to 10. We know that. But we have a good perspective. We have a reality of that. It's not despair where it's like, man, I'm never going to stop messing up. So I'm just doomed. No, we're holy in Christ. So we are not yet perfectly holy in practice. In other words, none of us can ever be perfect. This is not perfectionism. And the passages like Colossians that we read, 3, 5 through 8, that calls us to put sin to death, exists because disobedience is a reality for us. We deal with our disobedience. We deal with other people's disobedience to us, right? Their sin to us. And sin is so horrendous and powerful that the only way we could ever be pure was for God to intervene. For Him to step in and step down into this Earth through the uh, put on human flesh and be tempted in every way, and then defeat our temptations and the sin that we've done and that was done against us by dying and rising again. He intervened so to do the work needed to declare us holy. He declares us holy before the Father because He says, I have taken on their sin, and God's wrath was poured on Him for that, and that gives us. Now a holy state. So the Bible defines Christians as already holy. So there's a reality that all our life is affected by sin. That's total depravity. And that we deal with disobedience. And Paul is saying that. That's what he's telling him Put it away. He's saying he's dealing with it, right? But there's also another reality that we are holy already. We're sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6.11. How is it done? in the name of the Lord, and by how? The Spirit of our God. Again, Christ working in us. So our Creator declares us holy in His Son. We are saints of God, Most High, and He sees us as pure through Jesus' blood. That's Colossians 1, 2, and Hebrews 9, 13 through 14, talks about that. So because we are His children, and we are declared holy, we're saints of God, Most High, and saint means to be set apart, and sanctified, and holy, as God is holy. And then he sees us through the pure blood of Jesus. He sees us as pure, righteous, and holy. Again, the misconception is we're gonna to work towards that. No, we are already that. So in no way is Paul saying that we must simply work harder to become holy. And in fact, he's actually saying holiness is who we are, not something that we're working for. So the idea is to be what you already are, holy in Christ, and that is, putting off the sinful nature and putting on Christ. In other words, God has removed the clothing of sinfulness and put that sin on Christ, and he's removed Christ's righteousness and has clothed us in his righteousness. So therefore, we can now put to death and go to war every day for the rest of our lives, head out with passion, head out with confidence, head out with the the fact that we're already seated in heavenly places with Christ's uh, head against sin because we're already holy in God's view of us. So we're not gonna have to retreat towards defeat and despair saying, man, I'm never gonna be good enough and that God is disgusted and he's upset with me and I have to work hard to get there. that's what religion will tell you. That's what every other belief system will tell you. But only in Christ does he say, I've already did it for you, and it's a gift, would you receive it today? And that's salvation, that is uh, through faith, and this faith comes that God gives us to believe that we're already holy, that we're already sanctified. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose on the third day to beat that sin and was ascended into heaven in your place, if he's done that for you, and you accept that you need to be forgiven, the Bible says that he will come in and live inside of you through the Holy Spirit, give you a new heart and a new mind and a new uh, new spirit. And therefore, we can battle and put to death what's earthly in us. Now, that gives us the courage to deal with any kind of sexual sin that we've done or been done against us, any kind of habits that we have. It also gives the courage to deal with any kind of anger and wrath that we have that's inside of us that explodes all the time and how we've been verbally... Abusive and hurtful to others and also how others have been hurtful to us How do we do that first off we admit it? We identify it just like Paul is talking about it He wrote it in the word for every Christian to read over and over again You're going to deal with this and we deal with it confidently knowing that we're already forgiven so we can start to talk about and and bring out to God and to our brothers in Christ that we trust or maybe a biblical counselor What has happened to us from the time that we were little till now that still bothers us and still affects how we view sexuality or how we view uh, how to love someone else and why we would need to lie to be able to, um, you know, function as a Christian. Um, And so therefore, God gives us the confidence in our holiness that we already have to approach this. And then there's this surrender, this surrender to this new life that Christ is doing in us and um, from a place that we come from which is already holy and being able to battle against that. I think that it's hard because the old self and this old nature, we're used to that. You know, we're so used to doing things a certain way that it's normal to us. And sometimes we don't even see that. That's why everyone has a blind spot and they're not able to see that blind spot of how we're actually creating the same circumstances that we've been in year after year for 15 years, 20 years, 30, 40 years when it comes to sexuality or when it comes to anything that's going on in our life. So a matter of fact, right now, in this time, in this season, with this virus that's going around, it's a time where uh, God wants to do something new. It starts to surface um, things that were really, really important to us and that we put our confidence in and, and function in. And so things are changing. We're we're actually losing some some things uh, um, things that brought us comfort, ways of life. Um, um, we had certain um, how can we say things that we did every day that we we're used to, right? And it's starting to all those things are surfacing, and we're able to look at that and and confidently say, you know what? Even though things are changing, even though things are 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 unpredictable now, even though those things are changing, and um, things may not be the same ever again. I'm able to go ahead and venture out and see Christ do something new in me, to birth something new, to be a new person in Christ. And it's okay for me to feel whatever it is I'm feeling, whether I'm you know, joyous as heck or whether I'm, I'm angry or whether I'm sad or I'm happy or whether I'm concerned uh, about what's going on um, through this difficult time. Because again, we're not working to be holy, we're working from holiness. We're not trying to do anything to earn God's love or God's favor. God's love and favor is already with us. I hope this was encouraging to you. Um, I hope this helps you um, head straight for dealing with whatever it is that is is sinful in your life. And to be able to just say that actually is so freeing to know that, hey, we struggle with this. Uh, From a personal note, I think uh, sexual sin has probably been the most difficult and sometimes most confusing to deal with. And it's like layers as as i see things that god shows me and put those things to death and go to war with those things all of a sudden there's like another layer of it and that doesn't lead me to despair or discouragement no all i know is that god is sanctifying he's in that process little by little i'll never totally be there but little by little and it's just so encouraging that there is some type of um, progress you can say and sometimes there's regression as well but God always will move us uh, in his direction. And, it, and the greatest thing is that at the end of the day, any kind of freedoms I've had um, from different sexual sins has been Christ. Like at the end of the day, there's not like a set formula or a set way. It's really been Christ doing what I couldn't do. And that's why um, my confidence again has to be in this surrendering to that he's gonna do it and I have to be open to him doing it. And and um, so it's awesome to see. and. Um, I'm confident as Christ as the scripture says hey when you sin he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin so we're free to talk about it and deal with it I think the church doesn't do a good job in talking about um, sexual sin Um, when it comes to being angry you know I'm learning how to actually say okay I'm angry I like to just stuff it you know when around my family or my friends and just pretend everything's okay Um, but I'm learning that it's okay to say I'm angry but I don't have to take that and hurt someone else with my anger or say something that's abusive or mean or, 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 or anything like that. Um, but it's nice to be able to just sit in my anger and, and um, look for how God is coming to me. Now, how do we surrender in these times to this new life in Christ? We surrender through like a daily time with God, right? Morning and evening, a daily office, a quiet time. You know when you stop to be with jesus just for a moment whether it's five minutes 15 minutes or an hour you're saying i am no longer in control of this life and i'm putting this 5 10 15 minutes in silence and solitude in in in, in um, meditating and thinking about scripture or or whatever it is in prayer you're surrendering your life and that's what we need and then when we take a sabbath to surrender a day to be with god and to enjoy to rest and say, I'm not gonna work, I'm not gonna make things happen, I'm not gonna be in control for one whole day. It helps because when something comes our way, like this virus that hits us, uh, blindsides us, and just throws us off, there's a surrendering there to say, okay, God, what is it that you have? Instead of trying to control it, or minimize it, or deny it, or go to despair, and discouragement, and depression, but to actually say, okay, how are you coming to me through this time of difficulty? Uh, surrendering was what happened whenever we heard the gospel. We realized there's no way that I could ever become holy before God unless I accept that he is holy for me, that he died and that he forgives me of my sins. And surrender is such a beautiful uh vehicle towards peace because it allows us to just float right when someone is floating back on a river they pretty much have surrendered floating in an ocean floating uh, down the current the current of god's love and just for some of us that's what we need right now is we need to know that we're already holy we're already loved matter of fact the gospel is entering the rest that God has for us. The rest that he has it all already in his hands. That's what's gonna happen when we're in heaven. One day when we're there, it's gonna be the, we're gonna enter the rest. No longer will we need to um, battle against this battle of sin, this sinful nature or this world or Satan, but we'll actually be a place where we can just worship God and love each other and enjoy all that he's created for us. Well, church, let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for all of our church, and I pray that they hear that Paul is not pushing them to try to fix themselves or trying hard to become something and become accepted by you, but because they already are loved and accepted, that they would go to battle in confidence that there's no losing here, that you've already won, that we don't just sit back and let sin just overtake our lives, but we fight and we battle against it with all uh, that you give us through the spirit. And of course, this is the spirit working in us. Even me saying it in this way, is your spirit in me saying it this way. Father, I pray that you would empower all of our church right now to go to battle against sin. And how they do that, they bring it to you, they bring it to the brothers in Christ, and they ask you to show them what it is that they're believing that's a lie, um, that Satan tells them, that they tell themselves that they were able to see the deception in their sinful nature that causes them to sin, and that they would begin to live this new life, they are surrender to this new birth of what it is to live without some of those things that have drawn, pulled them down and pulled me down. Father, may we live in holiness and righteousness every day, in your holiness and righteousness, confident, knowing that we are loved and accepted and that you see us through the way you see your son. I pray for them, and I pray for provisions, and I pray for care, and I pray for safety, and I pray that they would know that we love them as the leadership of their church, Pastor Jay and Alder Tony, and all of those leaders in the church, and that we love the church and we care for them, and I care for them so much uh, this morning, and I'm just thankful to bring the word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Can't wait to see you. If you need me, give me a call. Send me a text. uh, Facebook, we have a Facebook post um, for any needs. Uh, Morgan started it. Please encourage each other. Be there for each other. Get with your squads um, and connect. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.